Bet365 sponsors this podcast and features over 300,000 sporting events on their betting app. It's got everything you'll ever need to bet on sport. The app lets you access pre-match and in-play markets and provides instant match updates. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sports betting company. This app can be downloaded from Google Play and the Apple App Store. Over 18s only and please gamble responsibly. season in the Premier League of playing most weeks and then because it wasn't a great season for Villa Graham Taylor who, who gave you your chance who I imagine was excellent with you he ended up leaving the club how was that for you because as I say I, I imagine that you played a massive part of your life really he's changed my life he's given me the opportunity to play and that's why of course I was sad to see him go but then you know you're part of the professional football world and you know there's change changes in managers and the, the period when you when you feel like you know we're not gonna get better we're not improving and you think like what's gonna happen next you know what's what is the manager doing or is the club reacting and that's what happened and and then there's always a tension of like who's coming in next what kind of manager is it what is my role going to be how will we get better and so i was sad to see him leave and go because I, I, he's done so much for me um, but then David O'Leary came in and I thought, OK, is, is this going to improve us? And, and it did. What was he like, David O'Leary? Because you, you started that season out of the team, didn't you? It didn't seem like he fancied you straight straight away and then you managed to break in as the, as the season went on. But what's it like when a new manager comes in and he picks his first team and you're not in it? Did the doubt start to linger in your mind that you're not one of his players? It does. Um, it's it's a change that you don't want because you think you're an established player and no matter who comes in, because that's the confidence you have to have, you know, he will pick me. And if, if that's not the case, then you think, why not? Uh, but you must understand that, you know, a change in manager only happens because the team who was playing wasn't performing at the best. So it's inevitable that some people, some players get, get changed and that's what happened and you start finding out why you see you trying even harder and and you we talk to the manager say you know what do i need to do in order to get into the team what's missing why am i not playing and that's what that's what what i did and and um and it worked out because it's always a a time of uncertainty personally and 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 for the club but fortunately we picked up again uh, the team did better and uh, and i found my way back into the team but it's just a natural progress that you're in and out of the team and you have to deal with it another uh, struggle but i didn't want to give up and i didn't in times like that when it, you are still relatively new to the country I mean and, and probably just finding your way who would you have turned to in, in times of need and I mean did you have a, a support network around you if, if there were times of struggle um, at the club you know yeah. there's, there's always people who, who were there if you want to talk to them um, and I think that was the beginning of sports psychologists you know came into the club and I think Graham Taylor introduced a couple of sports psychologists and I thought that's a good way of, of having support because I, I said you know you need people you, you can talk to give you advice on, on how to overcome this and, and get back again to, to you know, getting some confidence, getting back to playing at your best, and and that's what I did, and I never made a secret out of it. And nowadays, that it's common in professional sports, so that's what I did occasionally. Um, I had, you know, back home in Germany, one or two people that I would contact and say, "What's your advice? What would you say should I do now?" Um, but sometimes it's pretty easy; just work harder. <laughs> yeah. 
Of course, yeah. Was Lorna around at the club, Lorna McLean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. she was around, of, of course, and, and uh, it, it, it's a shame I, don't, oh, I didn't mention her, but of course she was there, and that was a really good move from, from the club to uh, bring her in and manage the well-being of players and, and their, their wives and girlfriends, and I think Laura was really good at that, and, and it, was, it was good that Villa invested money in someone who, who would look after personal issues of, of the players and their, their families. You talk about being out, being out of the team and <clears throat> knocking, knocking on the manager's door. Were you, were you one of those players that did that? If you were out of the team, you're into the manager's office and you're asking him why, why you're not in the team. What can you do to get in the team? Took me a while. It's not easy. It's not easy. <laughs> not with John Gregory. No, John Gregory. Um, as a, as a player, the way I was was, you know, I first asked myself what can I improve on, you know, what have I done wrong? Um, I wasn't blaming uh, teammates, the, the coach or, or me or whoever, so, uh, but I tried to look at myself and if I didn't find an answer, then I would speak to the manager because it's it, it's not something a player enjoys doing. You know, speak to the manager, look, I'm unhappy here. Um, I'm, I want to play, you better get me into the team, whichever way you, you want to put it. Uh, so it took me a while to then walk up to the manager and ask him because if the, the situation doesn't change, I've experienced a conversation can change the situation. It, it, it's, it's that simple because if you don't talk to a manager, you might be thinking you're happy with being on the bench. You know, there are players that you think they don't care too much, you know, they've got a good contract, they don't even need to play, they're happy just training throughout the week and, and they don't have the, the will to play. So you have to remind the manager, look, it's fine, I respect your decision not to play me, but there is a point where I say, I want to play football and you're not going to have an easy game with me putting me on the bench or not even putting me on the bench. I want to play and that's what, what sometimes needs to, to be clear. Can you remember the very first time you did that? Did you have to build yourself up to sort of to go in there and, and, and presumably would it have been <clears throat> under David O'Leary? I can't remember a conversation I had with him. I remember later on because, you know, I was still very young and, and I didn't have the confidence that I have now. But at Stuttgart, the first time I was out of the team, I did walk up to the manager and said, look, you know, I, I think I'm playing out of position. I want to play. And the reaction wasn't very positive. <laughs> so I thought maybe I'm not going to do that again in the future. Uh, short term, it wasn't a positive reaction, but a medium term, it was the best thing I could have done. Yeah. Uh, but I think with David O'Leary, you know, we had conversations, but it's the usual one you have at the training ground and he pulls you aside and says, look, if the crowd screams, shoot, don't shoot, don't, really? don't do that. You don't always have to shoot when they want you to shoot. And he said, you know, just pass it. You know, they, they're all expecting you, so don't, don't react to the crowd. I remember him saying that to me. So those conversations on the pitch and the training pitch, because you have time and, and just little information that, that helps. Do you change your mentality in training? When, when you're out of the team, you want to work. You want to work harder in trying to get back in. Because I spoke to Stylian Petrov last year, and he was saying when he was out of the team, he he would train even harder, try and be an example to everyone. This this is what you do when you're out of the team. Were you, were you one of those players that you, you wouldn't sulk? You'd you'd work ten times harder on the training pitch. That was me. Um, that was the only thing I had. Um, I'd say I was talented, but there was some players who were more talented than I was. And, and I did believe in, in the improvement by training harder, spending extra time on the pitch, you know, and you know, the, the session's over, you'd still be out on the pitch and do the things you can do by yourself if you don't find another player who trains with you, uh, do set pieces. And I've really benefited from it. Um, then later on, what I, I've noticed is a lot of players who want to do extra, they end up going to a gym which can help, but you can do too much in a gym. Just, you know, you, you, you're unhappy, 
you want to do more but you're not doing the right thing you go to the gym and you build up your muscle but does it really help you not always so i'd say you become a better player by working more on the pitch in general gym's good but to stay on the pitch what is it that i need to improve and is it my passing is it set pieces something that you can do or maybe do some extra runs because you want to be fitter than everybody else and, and i was that sort of player who, who tried who did extra training not every day but i think i did my fair bit so you worked hard you got yourself back back in the team we didn't have the best of starts under O'Leary, but then in January we brought in a, a little magician on, on the right-hand side, which, which seemed to turn it around for us a little bit, because I don't think we'd had, we had a natural right winger at the club at the time. What was Nobby Solano like when he came in? Because we just went on a great run when he came in, didn't we? He was a very good football player. Probably the opposite to me when it comes to effort you put in training. Uh, really, one of those. <laughs> But that's not a bad thing. You can't have 20 players who work extra every day. Okay, that's no good. Uh, you need those players who make a difference because they see something not everybody else sees. They do something unexpected. Paul Merson was the first one, you know, because he was, he was doing things. I say, if you think about it, you would never do it. But he didn't think about it. He just did it and it worked out. And you think, wow, I would have never done that because I thought about it realistically. It's not going to happen. He just did it. Nobby Solana, the same, you know, he played some passes that almost were impossible, but he just thought I'd do it. You know, not always they, they, they reached his, his teammate, but as, at times you realize oh, this guy is really, really good at what he's doing. Sometimes you have to make some runs for him because he doesn't track back. But also the South American mentality, he's someone fun to be with. He's in dressing room, always good atmosphere. You know, I'm not sure whether he played or listened to music, but in general, it's like he wants to be with family. He always got a smile on his face and it's, it's just a funny guy. Just going to ask you about some of the opponents that you've played against. And I mean, were there any, I suppose it's a question you've been asked many times, who was the toughest opponent you played against? Who was the best opponent you played against? But who would maybe be the weirdest opponent you played against? I mean, was there any ever any strange things that happened to you on the field that you can particularly remember? No, there's so many, but it's uh, thankfully you ask a, a question that's not been asked before. <laughs> but I don't have an answer to it because you always think in those category who was the yeah, best, who was yeah. the worst, and you know, just whatever. Uh, weirdest player. And this is dangerous. I'm not going to say a name now because okay, you just okay. name one, you pick one. I have one in my mind, but all I can say is the name has been mentioned in this conversation already. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, right. okay. Okay. You have to go back. Again, I, have to, I don't like having to keep coming back to it, but they've played such a big part in your career. But we, again, we, we played Birmingham City and Villa Park. Don't tell me I scored again. He scored again. He scored again. So I must have been a very good player then. A few, few good goals in, in, in your collection. This one, one of the best, but ultimately the game ends in, in a bit of hurt again. So you scored the goal that puts us 2-0 up against Birmingham City. We we're absolutely flying. Great goal. You go running into the, into the Villa fans. You, you, you're one of our own by, by that point. You got the high of that, but Villa being Villa, we ch chuck it away. <laughs> two two, and I think the ninety seventh or ninety eighth minute Stern John scores scores for Birmingham. What, what was that whole experience like? I had family over. Um, I know it was a, a 
lunchtime kickoff. Um, it was, I don't know, the atmosphere itself was a bit, that was weird, the atmosphere. But um, great the way it started. And, and when I scored the, the second goal, um, we talk again about special moments in your career. So I scored the winning goal against West Brom. You think, how can you top that? How can it get better than that? So of course you've got to score against Birmingham City at home in front of the whole tent. There you are, it happens. And you think, okay, let's just finish this game off. We win it. I have time of my life. Here's the next week. It's gonna be brilliant. And it's not, Stern John scores so late in the game. I was devastated, I really was, because that makes such a difference in the way we look back on the game. You know, we could talk about the great memories all day long, but the game ended 2-2 and it's just a draw and people go home unhappy. And, and I, as I said, had family over anything. What am I going to do now? Should I be happy because I scored a goal? Should I be devastated because we only got a draw? I mean, we didn't lose. And those are the mixed feelings. You don't know how to deal with them because it started so well. And then you end up saying, well, only a point. We should have won. And I don't spend too much time talking about the game. A little bit of a bogey team, but... Bit annoying that suddenly your, your local rivals you haven't played for years they suddenly become a team that, that you can't beat. That can't be many things more frustrating than that. I mean, it wasn't for me anyway. Uh, I know later on it changed, yeah, the fortunes changed, changed and it's yeah. uh, really good for the club that and it's changed now from distance. And, and good to know that Villa is able to beat Birmingham City on a regular basis, and yeah. that's what happened when I left. Um, and I was, I was Relieved to, to see that because I know how the, the fans feel about it everything they're going through and and that they would go into Derby game thinking we're going to win. Is that what it was? Because I was going to ask you what, what was it that suddenly made them so hard for us to play against? What was it that they had that we didn't at that time? I don't know what it did for them uh, but it just that's what it was like. You, you thought we had a bigger team and, and yet we go into the game thinking they have something at their end that they believed, you know, they cannot beat us. You know, when you have that strength, that inner belief, um, these things happen. And that's what you have to accept. Uh, we tried as hard as possible and, and yet we didn't come away with a win. But as I said, it, it took a bit of time and then everybody knew who, who the best team in the city was. No one really talks about it, but we're actually really close to getting Champions League football. That says it's not something that, that often gets discussed, but we, we weren't too far away from, from finishing fourth that season. I think even on the last day of the season, possibly we could have still finished fourth. If we'd have won, we ended up finishing sixth, which was a, a great first season for David O'Leary. But were you starting to think about, and were the players starting to think about perhaps qualifying for the Champions League at that point? Uh, European football, yeah. Um, we're thinking about it, but what I remember was just the, the spring period when, when we were on a good run how good you feel about how how great it is to be a football player playing for a club like Villa when things are going well it's like okay you want to be together you want to be the training ground you want to be with the teammates and say you know you hang out you just love what you're doing and that's not the norm uh, as a football player you experience that but you hope that it continues and, and it just it lasts for a long time but that um, second half of the season where we're just going in and you feel like you know it takes a lot to beat us and we could achieve something here like playing European football I mean I can't say now whether we were that close to the Champions League but you know that better you know looking back you know where we were close of getting relegated you think this is what football is about this is what I want to experience this is why I'm here and 
it's a shame because we didn't even qualify for Europa League, yeah. for Europa Cup. And let's say typical Villa, uh, it wasn't our fault. Okay, we no, qualify. No. You know, it just need to always be lucky. Yeah, yeah. Just unfortunate. But to have finished the season strongly uh, helps to say we're in the right way. Next season, here we go. We we look forward to this, and it was was great to know that we we can be a good team, and we were in top six in, in Premier League, so that meant a lot. Just want to ask you a little bit about. He was not used that much actually at Villa that season, but he came came on a few times towards the end of the season, played a few games as well. Peter Crouch, what what, what was he like to be around and play? Because he's like a phenomenon now. Like after his football career, everyone loves him. He's like a massive celebrity now. He's got his own podcast, really really funny. But what, what was he like at, when he was at Villa? Because he was very young at his time at Villa. A special character, and the longer he he played on, and and he was so successful playing for England and and. I have to be honest, I, I couldn't foresee that back then when he was at Villa. Um, you could see that he's special because he's, he has this positive attitude towards life. And he tries things, he can laugh about himself, choke about himself, and, and having that ability is great because I would, I would say sometimes not easy. Everyone's looking at you, making bad jokes, and you have to look at yourself thinking, hey, that's it, you know, I get on with it, and I make people laugh, and that's what he did. And he could see the quality that he brought in, even though he's so tall, he's really good on the on the ground. You know, he yeah. can he can pass the ball, he can control it. He's a target man. Uh, but it was early on in his career, and and I I must admit, I, you know, I'm, I'm really pleased for him that he he had this career because he's such a positive character, and and he wished these guys the best of luck, and and he's achieved so much. And as you said, now he's he's a big time celebrity. I'd say everyone yeah. knows him in in, in England. And I can say I played with him. You know, I didn't hinder his career, so that was good. <laughs> so the ne the next season, ultimately, ends up being being your last season at, at Villa. Did did you go into that pre-season thinking that it, that it might be, or were you just focused on things that have gone well in the previous season, looking at maybe getting another contract? We we were aware that that summer that it would end up being your last. No, not that early in the season. You know, you've got a year left on your contract, and you think, well, I've, I've, I want to prove that I'm good enough to, to get an, offered a new contract. So that wasn't on my mind, but uh, the season kicks off and you sort of wait for the club to say, well, what's going to happen? You know, yeah. should we stay on? I was I was so happy. You know, my life was, was great. You know, I enjoyed the people I was with and uh, I loved it at the club. And, and then you think, what does the future hold for you? And of course, I, I was ambitious and say, I want to win trophies. I want to play for, for the national team. and and all those things come together, but I wasn't quite sure whether I would go somewhere else. I was so happy at Villa that I, I could have definitely imagined to, to stay on, but it didn't happen at the beginning of the season, so throughout the season it, it turned out to be this could be a way out or maybe I have to look somewhere else because also you get the feeling, does the manager really like you? Does he fight for you? Or does he say, you're a good player, you're a good guy, but if you have another opportunity, I think it's great for your career. So even let you get into the position of having one year left on, on your contract seems seems very naive from the club because they've obviously ended up losing an asset who would have, they would have got a good fee for, at the very least, for nothing. Yeah. So were you surprised they, they hadn't come to you and said, look, you've got one year left on your contract, we want to tie you up? Well, it's just because I, I thought David O'Leary was thinking that way, saying Thomas is a, is a good young player, but if his contract's up we'll find another player and mm. and maybe he didn't fight hard enough I'm nothing against him it was just 
the end bit wasn't very nice, but he had me there, but he wasn't really determined that I would become such a, a good player, maybe for the club, that it's worth signing me, offering me a new contract. But that's that's fine, uh, because at the same time, Stuttgart approached me early in 2005 and, and said they were interested. And then suddenly, you know, this is an option, a uh, big club in Germany. I would have loved to stay in England, of course, at Villa, and if not at Villa, then somewhere else. But the offer from Stuttgart looked really tempting. And I talked to the manager, Matthias Sommer, back then. I thought, he really likes it. That's what you want as a player. You want a manager to speak to say, you're the player I want. You know, you play in centre midfield, and you're the guy that I'm signing, and you're my number one in midfield. And David O'Leary didn't say that to me, and I didn't feel it, which is fine. I gave my best until the end of the season, and then we parted ways. But maybe the club could have made a bit of money. You made your debut at the start of that season for Germany, well, whilst you whilst you were at Villa. Did you feel that like you'd been waiting for for that international call-up? Did you feel maybe you could have come before, or were you thinking, no, this is this is the right time. This is my time now. That happened because Jurgen Klinsmann took over as the Germany manager. Uh, before Jurgen Klinsmann, I wasn't on the radar because Rudi Völler didn't look into the Premier League. He used to play at Serie A at Roma, uh, so he's, he focused on the Bundesliga and maybe Serie A, for example, German players, but I don't know if there were any there. So his main focus wasn't on the Premier League. Jurgen Klinsmann, completely different. He used to play in the Premier League, other leagues in Europe, and he admired young people who would have the courage to go abroad and, and and break into the first team and play in the Premier League. You know, back then, it, like now, is the best league in, in the world, I would say, and the most attractive league in the world. And I was playing at one of the big clubs in, in that league, so that's why he, he called me up. And ever since I, I played for the national team, with some exceptions or a few exceptions, and I thought, well, I'm a full international. You know, I've played my first few games, and the current club is not that keen to keep in you. Yeah, and, and plus, I knew the, the, the World Cup in Germany uh, was coming 2006. And of course, you tell yourselves, like, well, if I play in the Bundesliga, I'm being seen every week. It probably improves my opportunities to, to be a regular in the national team. What was the setup like with the German national team compared to Villa? And did you enjoy going on international duty more than being at Villa or, or your domestic not more it's a different experience so you know I enjoyed playing for Villa and then when those breaks came you play for your national team I'd, I'd call it the biggest honour in, in your playing career uh, you go there German national team high expectations high hopes the World Cup's coming up in your own country and you feel like this is the next step in my career ultimate goal playing for your country I'm there so I went there and I remember they, they were really good times because they, they tried so hard to, to form us into a great group, very good team. And then I would go back to, to Villa and I knew what I had there, you know, and that was my home from home to say I enjoy being here. Um, so both worlds I loved and, and I thought this is what I want to do. Did you ever get some, any stick off the English lads for being German? Because there's always the, you know, the English-German sort of divide and, the, you know, a bit of banter going around. Did you, can, any particular memories from that? Early on, early on, 5-1. I'm only saying 5-1. Yeah. <laughs> that was, I, I, I didn't know that it would be such a big thing for English fans, you know. 5-1, I get back and people were 
talk about it all the time and it meant so much. I thought, you must have had some really bad experiences in the past to tell me. We, we did. Had Even <laughs> after all those years, you still <clears throat> mentioned the 5-1, but uh, I always looked forward to going into tournaments because I knew England's not, they wouldn't beat us, okay? So <laughs> I had that confidence, uh, but it's good banter. Uh, and that's when it started, I think it was 2001. Uh, yes, yeah, 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 it was, yeah. yeah. Even Heskey scored. Yeah. <laughs> and some others. And so that banter went on for a long time and um, I didn't get stick when I, when I played myself for Germany. It was just, you know, we've got German international. It's good for the club as well to have a full international playing for Germany. I think I was the first one. Am I the only one? I can't think there's yeah. been another one. Be, good question. Yeah. You got, yeah. got me there. Didn't, didn't mind the notes. I can't, I can't <laughs> I think, think of another one. You would have been probably. Yeah. yeah. Looks like it. You go back to your home back and... Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll the, come back the, to you. The, the, the perception from English, from us English, and more so even when you, you were a full international, was that the German team was so efficient, so well organised. Was that the case? And, and, and did, you, did you see the difference between Germany and England? I did. And while you're part of the national team, what happens if we talked earlier about Birmingham City, they go going into the Derby game thinking, we're not going to lose this. And that, that was the sentiment in Germany with the national yeah. team. Any tournament we went into is like, they, they fear us. They really fear us. Even if you don't play well, they, they think last minute we're going to concede against them. And this is it's that self-fulfilling prophecy that when you're actually part of it, you think that if it's great, you know, we had some poor games where you think, you know, difficult to watch, but, and yet we didn't lose. In the run-up to the World Cup, there were some terrible games. Uh, I played, I should say, out of position and, uh, well, you know, I can't play there anymore because I'm not doing myself any favours, but every cap helps you to sort of, you know, gain in confidence as well. Like fullback. It was uh, left back, yeah, <laughs> and that was my favourite position. But you're still playing for the national team, and if you, you know, I, I, I didn't dare to say to the manager, I'm not playing there. You know, I took every game as it as it came along, and, and gave it my best. But I had some bad games, but fortunately, they come some good games later <laughs> on because I did say then to Jorge Löw after the World Cup, said, look, I love being here, but. I should play midfield because you're not going to get much out of me on in left back position, uh, and that's what happened. I had some very good games too for Germany, but that was good to to feel of being surrounded by world class players. I mean, I had some world class players at Villa, uh, great characters, but in Germany, there were those guys. They've won Champions League trophies. Uh, some of them, you know, at the World Cup experiences and everything. Um, it was always a joy being there. Would you have been somebody who was quite keen on swapping shirts with your opponents and keeping memorabilia back at home and keeping y y your own shirts? Is that something you ever did? A little bit, I did. On important games, presumably, then? Yeah, but I didn't do it uh, regularly because I, I, I remember we were playing at Arsenal and <laughs> that's something you must not do. Uh, we were playing at Arsenal and, and a friend of mine, he loves Arsenal and he wants Terry Henry's shirt. <laughs> so after the game, I thought I'd ask Terry Henry for his shirt. And he said, no, like, it's like, really? almost like, I, it felt like to me, he pushed me away. It's like, don't even ask, okay? <laughs> and you think like, never ever again. I'm not gonna ask anyone who I don't know for, for, for his shirt. And I thought, if, if I wanted, it would have been a different story. You ask for a friend, you know, not yourself. And then maybe he didn't mean it. I don't know. But it just left me like, I'm asking Terry for a shirt. And he said, mate, 
no, no, don't. Oh, no, that's horrible. That's horrible. It, it felt horrible, and then <laughs> from that day on, I thought I will not ask any player that I don't know for a sh- for for the shirt. And and that stuck with you. It stuck with me, uh, but I did ask some other. So we swapped shirts with yeah. former teammates and and whatnot. So I have some of my and I also kept shirts, my own shirts, because I have a big family and big circle of friends, and I just gave it out to them. Uh, that's what I did. So you know that you're leaving Villa by the end of the season. So you've got you've got to then play the rest of that season knowing that you're you're not going to be there. I just wanted to get a sense of of what that's like knowing that you're leaving a football club, but you're you're still in and around the team. I, mean, I think you actually got back in the team when you said you you were leaving, which, which which was a weird one after being out of the team. What's that whole situation like? Because I've always wondered. Uh, a lot of stuff goes on in your head uh, because you you think about the next club you know the next season um what you have to sort of prepare for it and yet because those five years were came so unexpected and, and it was so positive that you think you've got to have a good farewell and, and say goodbye to the people that you know become friends with and, and they were so close to you so it was a big part in, in saying how what's the right manner in, in saying goodbye um thinking of the players you know the staff but also you know circle of friends around football just outside of football and that's what it's been on my mind and and uh, also then you know that you don't have a future at the club so what's next and you sort of find out what Stuttgart like and, and what will my role be but also play every game as it comes and, and try to play as many games as you can and when you play and play as good as you can it's because I'm a professional football player I've got to give my best and I want to give my best and hopefully with good results and, and with a like I said good farewell He scored a couple more screamers I think before you left just want to say thanks ever so much for your time that you've given us today it's been Great for me to go down down memory lane. I hope, I hope it's been great for you. And I think what we've done, Greg, as well, is we've managed to get that brummy twang back in as the podcast gone on. So that's brilliant. But just thanks ever so much, man. That was brilliant. Thank you, guys.